This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. At least you better be. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, David Damien. All right, buddies. Man, am I excited for this week's episode because uh, my little inner 14-year-old boy gets to freak out as I hang out with Dave and Michael from Soul Asylum. Um, as I tell the band in this chat, I received Let Your Dim Light Shine for my 14th birthday 20 years ago. I just turned 34 right before this interview. So that means that record had been out for right around 20 years. Um, it was great to revisit that record and hang out with the band to talk to them about their punk rock roots and uh, learn where Dave and Soul Asylum came from. It was a huge surprise getting to chat with Michael. Um, it was not expected, um, but I'm really glad it happened because we talk, got to talk to Michael about playing with Prince. That started in 1989 and he did that off and on until 96. And maybe he still uh, plays around with Prince even now to this day. Uh, he he also played with Paul Westerberg of The Replacements, Shaka Khan, uh, some of the Jonas Brothers, and even Mandy Moore to round things out. Take a look at this guy's like credits list. He's done a little bit of everything. He's kind of a legendary um, studio drummer, and now he's playing full-time with Soul Asylum. So it was really cool and really fun to have Dave, who's probably done 100,000 interviews, and then Michael, who probably hasn't done that many, um, bounce back off, back and forth with each other, and it brought a new life to this conversation that I'm not sure that would have really happened had it been just me and Dave. So that was an honest, it was such a good pleasure and such a great night. Uh, speaking of the great night, that, that night they played at the Summit Music Hall here in Denver with the Meat Puppets, and it was they were awesome. All the bands were great. I'm not going to lie, I was, I was, I was not expecting them to be as good as they were, uh, but they came out and they brought their all. Um, it was a small crowd that night, and those who missed this show, you were a fool. Um, the Meat Puppets are great. Soul Asylum were great. They played all the hits. They played a lot of us, uh, a lot of little stuff in between. Um, they just announced another leg of their ongoing tour with the Meat Puppets that will take the bands through Texas uh, to Florida and a little bit of the East Coast back there. So check it out. Check out those tour dates if you're in those areas. Go check out the show. It was really, really damn fun. Um, and then real quick, before we get into our interview with Soul Asylum, I wanted to share with you an interview I did with my buddy Sean Tiffany. I ran into Sean at Soul Asylum show that night in Denver, and it reminded me, and I felt pretty bad because I've had this interview uh I've had this interview since Denver Comic-Con this last year in 2015. Um, we did a, a series of video interviews, and then unfortunately the guy I've collaborated with on that project just hasn't had time to edit it all together. And I wanted to share this interview with the world for you um, because Sean's a really great guy, and he's a Soul Asylum fan, so it's a double whammy. It's a double win for him, and it's a double win for you. Um, Sean is a comic book artist and illustrator uh, based out of, I believe, Boulder nowadays. Um and then he used to work for Marvel Comics in the 90s. He got in the children's books, advertising, and he's worked for magazines like Time and Sports Illustrated. Um, a really great guy. He does a really cool comic book called Oil Can Drive. He's also a musician of his own, and he does uh, 
uh, EPs based around his comic book series, Oil Can Drive. So check that out, oilcandrive.com. And uh, let's venture back in time to Denver Comic Con and have a little chat with my good buddy Sean Tippany. Here we go. All right, so uh, Denver Comic Con 2015, I'm hanging out with my good buddy Sean Tippany. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you, Sean? Good. How about yourself? Great, enjoying the, great. Enjoying the day so far? Dude, it's been great. I've been drinking free beers all day, thanks to uh, Print Ninja. I just found out there were free beers. I did not know this. PrintNinja.com. Uh, unofficial plug. visiting PrintNinja.com soon. Free beers from Breckenridge. Exactly. Fantastic. Um, so this is what your fourth year here. Fourth year at Denver Comic Con. Fourth year of the fourth Denver Comic Con. A few minutes ago, we couldn't figure out. We we're like, is this fifth year? Fourth Six, year. Yeah, fourth. Two thousand twelve till now. Great experience so far. What keeps so you coming far. back other than location? It's uh, well, location's easy. I live right up in Boulder, so it's easy to come down. Great crowd. I'm not going to find a bigger convention anywhere close to here that I can drive to. Right. So I would kick myself if I didn't show up for it. Me so. too. I mean. I kick myself for not showing up yesterday for the opening ceremonies. Anyway, and not it about gives me, me a good deadline me. for stuff too. Um, so my buddy Eric had this question that I'm stealing from him. Uh, what did you eat for breakfast today? I had a bowl of half bran flakes and half, I think it was oat flakes or golden oat honey oat flakes. flakes. How did those uh, work out? So far, so good. You. All Meat good. Lunch? Uh, I had a sandwich. Yeah, cool. I had coffee, banana. Ate pretty well before I came here. No cinnamon buns, nothing like that, nothing fun. Do you go to other conventions outside of Timber? No. No. Well, I've got, I have before, but not in years and years. Yeah. Um, I used to go to San Diego, New York, Detroit. Yeah, so, because once upon a time you used to like work for Marvel. Once Comics upon a time I used to work for Marvel, and it's a lot easier to go places. Uh, what, what kind of work do you get into nowadays for uh, right real now, adult jobs? For the adult jobs, I do a monthly gig for Sports Illustrated Kids. I've done 60 kids' books. I do stuff for advertising agencies. Um, it's a lot of stuff for educational materials. I've known you for years and I had no idea. You had no idea in Sports Illustrated every month? I, I just thought you did this. <laughs> nope. And no, actually. These are great, great sketches right here. And what, what did you do for uh, Marvel Comics once upon a time? You were like colors? For Marvel, I was an like airbrush painter before oh. I went all digital. So it kind of looked like, let me see if I can find a piece. The old way I used to paint before the computers kicked in was we used to paint on something called a blue line where let's try to pull this out here you'd actually have a clear piece on top nice you'd paint underneath the black and white would lay on top and that's how you used to paint back in the day but then digital came along and took over all that stuff but still enjoy doing it i miss doing it cool there's something about a hand painting i don't think you can replicate that, that's beautiful um, I've always liked your style. Thank I first you. discovered you because you did a uh, the cover of a zine called The Name Is Escaping Me. Uh, Do you wait, remember? Wait. Uh, uh, New Scheme? New Scheme. New Scheme, punk rock fanzine you did the yeah. cover of. Were you ever a punk rock kid? Uh, I think I was more of a punk rock adult. Well, I think I would have been a punk rock kid if I'd known more about punk rock and didn't live in the hinterlands of Maine where no one knew about yeah. punk rock. But got into it. I wish I'd gotten into it more when I was a kid, but... Better late than never. Better late than never. So one of the things I'm talking to people about today is, for me, I started this podcast. I just decided one day, I'm going to get up off the couch and I'm actually going to do something. Right. You got up off the couch and you started making started all this stuff. How rewarding is the experience of actually making something? Oh, it's great. I mean, that's, again, why I like the Denver Comic Con. It gives me a deadline every year to get stuff done by. Um, whereas I don't have, like, a monthly deadline with this stuff. 
but doing it, I enjoy it. I mean, that's my mantra now is I'd rather be doing it than not be doing it. Right. So, somehow doing something all by yourself is a great feeling. More and, people should do it. And, and as you like get out there and you make things happen, yes. how easy do you find it is to do the things you want to do once you're out there and actually doing it? Um, easy. Well, if that makes sense. If money's not involved, yeah, easy. Money's not involved, yeah. <laughs> I mean, doing a podcast is pretty easy. I, right. I was I, we were over there talking a couple minutes ago. It's like, do you ever have any oh crap moments? For of me, course. like it's like oh crap, I can't believe I just met this person. Right. Yeah, you what meet some cool people. Moments? What is an oh crap moment? What is an oh crap moment? I don't know if I have any oh crap moments. Like, well, because you, I guess you worked for Marvel, you probably already worked with some of those people. Was That's there anybody that was like, oh crap, I can't believe I'm working with this guy? I love that I got to paint Mike Mignola's stuff. I got to paint Jim Lee's stuff. Um, I'm sad I missed, I came into Marvel after Image started, so I missed yeah. McFarlane, I missed all those guys. Uh, but I'm really happy some of the artists I painted. I never got to paint Alan Davis, who I wish I'd always painted his stuff. But, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, oh crap moments, that I'm like, oh my God, I'm meeting so-and-so. No, no. I'm maybe scared to meet the people I really like because if they let me down, I don't want to not like their work if I don't like the person. Fair enough, fair so enough. I tend to shy away from meeting some people. I've definitely met some uh, my favorite people, musicians, and artists, like, and been like, exactly. And does it taint your view oh, of their work? Completely. See, I don't, I don't want that to happen. That's a smart move. See. So, um, so how easy was it? Let me find the right words. You get out there. You're making your own work. Yep. It's rewarding. Yep. You're out here. You're meeting people. Yep. Um, and it's. I mean, it's hard. It's right. hard work. But in the end, right. like if you love doing it, it's fairly easy. Right. It's. I think it's easier now to put out stuff like this than it ever has been. Yeah. With print-on-demand, with different printers available, everything's available to do now. Um, I wish, my only thing is I know the road I'm taking with this book and this idea is the hard road, because I'm an unknown artist basically with an unknown product. Yeah. I wish more people, it'd be easy to kind of go, oh, I did a Batman print, I did a Deadpool yeah. print, and just sell prints. But to me, that's the short game. It's short money. It's quick money. But in the end, it doesn't fulfill you, I think, as you go in the long term. I wish I could see more people who have prints up have their own work up. I'd rather see a whole convention of people's own personal work. So if somebody wants to make their own book, right. what recommendations do you have for them? Is to just start making your own book. Yeah. I mean, that's the easiest part. Um, sticking with it, too. Sticking with it is hard, but if you find something you like, Say you like an artist or how an artist is doing work. It's a good person, a place to start is to emulate that book and give you at least a template to go from, and at least someone else's path to take for a little while. Cool. Any so, other wise words of wisdom you have out there for the internet? Oh, what do you have to plug today? Let's plug your uh, newest book. New Oil Can Drive book number two just came out for this convention. And hey, what is Oil Can Drive? Oil Can Drive is a comic I do. It's a little bit of a cross between Firefly and Joseph and the Pussycats, rock and roll, futuristic airships, a little bit of Mad Max in there, giant gorillas playing bass, a little bit of hockey. It's like everything I love in one book. So dinosaurs will show up soon. We'll see what else happens. But the second book is done. I also did a 24-hour comic this year, meaning I did a whole book in 24 hours. Um, not the best thing, but not the worst thing ever. Would you ever do a 24-hour comic again? The, the, when I was in the middle of doing it, I thought I would never do a comic ever again. <laughs> I hated comics, I hated comic pages. You get done with it, you feel good, you go home, take a nap, you're ready to go again. Okay. I would have done it the next day. Yeah. So, we'll see, when it comes October and it's time to do it again, 
maybe. Yeah. But I'll do it again. Absolutely. Um, now, any final words for the uh, YouTube video audience out there? I say go out and make something. Make something your own. Do it. The avenues are available. Just do what you want to do. It's all out there. I mean, Damien's doing right. it. We're all doing it. We're all it. doing it. Yeah. Do it. Never been happier. Exactly. How about you? Always happy. Cool. All right, buddies. Uh, we'll see you in the funny pages. <laughs> Thank you, Sean, for hanging out and chatting with me that day at Denver Comic Con. Thanks for hanging out at uh, the Soul Asylum show in Denver. You're a really great dude, a really great comic book artist. You can find his work at oilcandrive.com. Don't forget to listen to his music over there. Speaking of music, before we get into this uh, uh, interview with Soul Asylum, I want to play a little, little song, a little heard Soul Asylum cover. Um, of one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, people scoffed at me when I told them I was interviewing Soul Asylum because I do mostly punk rock bands, but I had to remind them Soul Asylum came from the punk rock world. And uh, this song is a little bit of proof and a little bit of taste of the punk rock influences. And this is a cover of, you know, just this little little known punk rock band. Oddly enough, it was on the uh, Japanese release of Let Your Dim Light Shine came out 20 years ago uh you kind of find it on youtube hidden around uh, and this is soul asylum covering descendants hope it's a pretty awesome cover and then we're going to get into the interview with dave and michael in their tour of us outside the summit music hall in denver colorado so uh buddies let's take a listen Thanks for letting me come hang out on the bus. How long have you guys been on this particular bus? How long have we been on this bus? Since June 20th. July 20th. Sorry. July 20th, cool. That's my sister's birthday. Okay. I just sell it, I, I was looking at it today. I got a, 
16 year old well I, I was saying 16 year old me is stoked to talk to you guys it's so stoked that Donovan I'm like no it's 14 year old me I got let your uh, pretty lights shit I can't remember the name because I'm a let your dim light shine that's it sorry I uh, I drink a pot of coffee and then I was like I need to I got down here a little early had a couple beers so the, those beers are starting to kick in very nice well, you got a little eight ball happening yeah I got, it's going good but uh, I was uh, I got that for my 14th birthday and I just turned 34 on Monday, so wow. fucking years ago. So it had just come out? Yeah, it came out in June of uh, 95. It's crazy. So, uh, so I, it's it's pretty astounding, like, that little kid. Um, a, a lot of the, what this podcast is about is, like, uh, I had a sister pass away. And I, I worked in music venues, but I had a sister pass away about six years ago. And it was like I need to do something more. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something more, 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 more. And I got up off the couch. I started doing stuff. And the next thing you know, like here I am, hanging out with you guys. Nice. Um, and then um, you find these words. So that's a lot of what the podcast is about. Is how you got started. And you know, we all know those people that sit back at home. They they work their nine to five jobs. They get out of work. They go home. They drink their beer. They get up and they go back to work the next day. But there's something about getting up off the couch and making something happen. That's what I was hoping to talk about today with you guys. If you guys, if you guys are down with talking about that. <laughs> I got a couple tunes that have shit about. Look at that. There's a photo op for you. Oh shit. There's a dude taking a picture of another dude. Have you heard Chris Kirkwood's podcast? No, I didn't know he had one. Oh yeah. No wonder they didn't respond to my uh, Apparently it's kind of shit. pretty funny. Anyhow, uh, yeah, no, I got a couple songs about getting off the couch. Um, one is called Sitting and Waiting and Something and Good. Standing in the Doorway. And it's just kind of, it's kind of a trepidation about going into the outside world and kind of being, I don't know, maybe gun shy or afraid you're going to get hurt or something like that. So, I, I don't know what the question was. What motivated no, wasn't me really to leave question, the house? <laughs> we're just, that's the cool thing is, is like we're just hanging out, sitting on a bus, chatting. Like I'll ask questions, but really I just want to just hang out and talk with you guys. But that, but the idea is, you know, it's like it's it's such a simple idea, and you just I just did it, and we get the to couch do these is a very meaningful piece of furniture in the DIY punk rock community. Yes, and when you know when we started out, we would go into a town, play at a club, and ask everybody at the club if they had any extra couches in their house so we could sleep at their house. Then there's always, like, the house that someone gets fucking scabies from a fucking <laughs> couch and crabs or, you know, I fucking slept on couches all over the world, and none of them are very comfortable for sitting on. Um, but, you know, I've also been on two short couches and stuff like that couches are fucked really I mean yeah. they're, they're terrible looking and uh, I still like if I'm gonna buy a couch I have to be able to lay down on it just because but it's a it's a slippery slope yeah how yeah. tall are you I'm about six feet yeah I'm, a, I'm about I'm a little over six feet not quite six one and finding a couch you can lay on uh, uh, it's a pain in the ass well, so let me ask you two gentlemen uh, like one of the things I like to ask people is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you know you wanted to be a musician? Was that always ingrained in there somewhere in the genetic code? What do you say, Michael? 
I'm saying I didn't necessarily know it, but my dad was pretty sure of it pretty fairly early. Yeah. He played piano uh, at the at the Baptist church, played organ, you know, had an affinity for music. My mom sang in choir. And so music was always all around. I took it for granted mostly. <laughs> you know, when it's just that accessible. We had a piano in the house, you know. All my sisters learned how to play, uh, how to how to read music, and um, you know, so I went for piano lessons early on, but it was boring for me, because uh, my ear was kind of supernaturally developed even that early. Like, I could pick melodies out and, you know, chord structure as early as probably four or five, you know, so when I'm taking piano lessons at six, and every other student is playing, you know, you're, okay, now you try. Yeah. It's like, I don't even need to look at the page. So, at, you know, about nine I was when uh, my dad got me my first drum set. He noticed I'd been banging on the garbage cans in the back alley and annoying the neighbors and whatnot. And uh, so uh, the condition was I had to take lessons. And, yeah. You know, the, the, my instructor, his name is Floyd Thompson. He's taught a lot of drummers from Minneapolis. Um, basically told my dad in front of me, if he has no aptitude for the instrument, I'm not going to take it. You know? <laughs> and he heard something, and things kind of moved forward. And it's weird because, uh, you know, uh, in retrospect, it, it always seems like I never chose. It's like music kind of took control of my life, and I didn't have the option. And, you know, the, the older I get, the more people I talk out of getting into the music business because really to do anything at all in this business constructive or to be successful at all you have to give your whole life yeah you know and I don't know you know I may have chose if I it felt the power to choose I may have chose differently knowing what I know now <laughs> you know <laughs> we, we've been living on a tube for two weeks yeah you know but antifreeze leaking out of the bus. What? Oh, man, yeah. it's crazy. Now, would I trade it for a desk job? Absolutely not. No. It's an addicting lifestyle. It uh, is what it is, and it's yeah. you know the 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 highs are really high, and you know the lows are manageable somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just got home from a two week trip in Thailand and went right back to work, and it's like yeah. Fuck this! I'm meant for something more. That's right. So then I get home and I'm like, uh, let's do everything I can. Right, but you got to pay the bills somehow. Sure. Luckily, and you get to pay the bills doing what you want. Like, exactly. You know. So don't get me wrong. I'm not an ingrate. Yeah. You know, I I enjoy what I do and I'm grateful. You and know. you've done a lot. Your resume is quite extensive there, yeah. sir. By me. <laughs> I I was one of the lucky ones, and that's what I tell these kids. Like, dude, my kind of luck. Prince walks into a, a you know a dive bar. <laughs> in downtown Minneapolis and we get acquainted. Yeah. I'm nineteen. You know? That that's that's a kind of lottery. You're not most kids are gonna do what those dudes did, yeah, yeah. which was schlepping in a van and smell each other's farts. Yeah. <laughs> so you know So how did you two make acquaintances and you two meet and start working together? Number one we have a lot of friends in common yeah. What's that Mini we didn't even know. I assume Minneapolis is that kind of way, that especially because it's cold six months out of the year, you kind of know the people who are moving and shaking. Kind of, sort of, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, Murphy and Carl went to Marshall U, right? 
high school, yeah. Yeah, my sisters went to Marshall U High. My dad taught science there. So, I mean, my bond to this band <laughs> was kind of set in motion before anybody yeah. knew anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you believe in destiny at all? Were you destined to be here in this moment? Absolutely. Of, nice. In the second, I went outside of Soul Asylum to play with some local hippies. They were talking about this kid, this kid who was really young and just fucking amazing. And it wasn't until a few years later where I actually saw Michael, but people were talking about him like he's coming up in Minneapolis and look the fuck out, you know. <laughs> So, uh, so, since we're, we got most of the focus on Michael here, so, like, you worked, you worked with, I mean, you worked with Prince, Soul Asylum, who else, who else, like, blows your mind that you've gotten to work with? Well, Does it blow your mind to get to work with these guys, or just kind of like, yeah, it's another gig? No, every gig is different, man. I mean, number one, you know, because I got to work with Prince, it gives, it gave me a lot of latitude to pick and yeah. choose what I wanted to do, so... A lot of things that I've done in the music business were things I had been wanting to do for some time. I toured with Chaka Khan for about a year. Um, Paul Westerberg cut part of Eventually yeah. at Paisley. We met there. I toured with him in 96 um, and recorded a couple songs on that record. Um, what else, man? I mean, uh, I was in a band called Mint Condition before I joined Prince's band. I was in Mint Condition. They got signed to Perspective Records, which was Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam's label. And they're still around doing their thing. Um, you know, I mean, I had near misses with a lot of people. You know, I've recorded on a lot of, from the Backstreet Boys yeah. to Clay Aiken to, uh, <laughs> what's his name? What's my man's name from uh, Matchbox 20? Oh, uh, yeah, Rob. Rob Thomas. Thomas, yeah. I cut with him on his last record. You know, I, so it's it's been a fortunate set, as well as, you know, I, I got a, a little taste of the uh, the teen craze. I went out with Nick Jonas, <laughs> recorded a record with him, and Nick, Nick Jonas and the administration. That was a good run. That was, yeah. you know. Do you, I mean, do you have any kids of your own? I, I have two stepdaughters. Yeah. And uh, so, so when, when they're in the backyard banging on stuff, do you tell them to stop? Stop. No. Go get a real job. Nah, I, you know, my thing is always like, if you're going to play that thing, then you better practice. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, but that's the thing. It's like, really, it's like, what's if you're not really into it, let it go. Yeah. Because God knows there's enough mediocre musicians in the world, man. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the thing, is that it looks easy from the outside. Yeah. People think we're out here eating bonbons and, you know... In the lap of luxury, you see, see these couches, oh, man. I've, I've been in, yeah, you know. <laughs> I've, t- I, I, I've toured, managed, and done my share of this Okay, stuff. so you know, know the deal. It's like, it, it looks a lot more glamorous from the yeah. outside. It's really a lot of hurry up and waiting. That's right. And that's yeah. why there's, I think there's so many uh, ancillary issues that come up. Because <laughs> yeah. you're looking for stuff to do with your time, you know. I don't drink at home, but out here, I'm two Jack and Cokes a night. <laughs> and that's, that's you know, that's enough, you know, uh sleepy time medicine for me to yeah. just you know relax and go to sleep you know because after you you're on high voltage for you know several minutes you you have to wind down somehow you know yeah just some cats take it too far <laughs> well let's uh somehow i have this anyway i know soul asylum struggled 
you guys worked hard to get where you guys got. But then him, he just met Prince. Yeah, they worked harder than I did. Yeah. So I'm making up for it now. So, <laughs> what, <laughs> so what kind of conversations do you guys get into when you guys talk about your own um, uh, learning experiences in this world? Like, because you worked hard as fuck. He just, you know, happened to meet Prince in a dive bar. Here's the difference, though. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't mean to dominate this uh, Please. conversation. But this, had I a chance to do it all over again, I would have started writing songs a lot earlier. Number one, it's the most lucrative sector of the business. Number two, you can, you can, you can craft an entire movement if you can figure out how to speak well with your with your material. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I can say this, and he thinks I'm joking probably all the time, but Dave Perner is a great American songwriter, and for people who are in the know, they know that. You know, I mean. I feel like he's more of Bob Dylan's heir than Jacob Dylan even, you know? I mean, the Midwest doesn't get discredited, but it gets looked over a lot. I mean, we were talking about how they call the Midwest the flyover zone, you know, because apparently yeah. the only things worthwhile are over here and yeah. over there. You got New York, you got L.A., well, you got just yeah. nothing in the middle. Colorado was the same way until we legalized weed, and now everybody wants to be here. So. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Different motivation. Yeah, different motivation. But what I'm saying is that for whatever reason there happens to be, this abundance of musicians, strong musicians, you know, in the Midwest, you know, it's are, are as good as any and better than most. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And, and probably better mo than most because like, it's a cold, cold, harsh winter. You like, get six months you know. out of the year to, you know, get your head together. And then yeah. get out of there and make things happen. Well, to write and experiment and succeed and fail and, you know, yeah. really hone your craft. Yeah. Um, and, and then one thing I, I, I like, too, is, like, when guys like you got yourselves, you know, getting off the couch is one thing, but staying off the couch. You guys, <laughs> you know, Dave, you, you have a recording studio in New Orleans still, right? Yep. Yeah. And you, you could easily No just, fucking couch in there. No couch. <laughs> we could, you could uh -huh. easily, like, go back and probably eke out a living, uh -huh. running a recording studio. Here you are, Denver, uh, Colorado. I tried that already. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work. Yeah. You already tried that? Yeah, truck farm, man. Oh, that's right, yeah. What was it? A truck? It was called the truck farm. Because uh, people used to drive their trucks into the backyard of this shotgun shack in New Orleans and sell groceries out of them. So we named the studio after what it was in the 1800s or whatever. It was very short-lived. I produced a couple pretty records out of there actually yeah well what 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 keeps you like because you're you're, out, you're back out here now what keeps you off that couch what keeps you from uh still this, working this motherfucker right here <laughs> this tab is expensive no it's the no no, 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 no it's man. The, to, no i'm just kidding really, that's a joke it's a joke to really be in soul asylum and soul asylum has to sort of be uh good and you know without these guys kind of fucked so it's exciting and it's consistent and you know it's a pretty dynamic band and the band experiences I think you know what I got into when I was way too young to understand it um, but it took a certain level of commitment and I guess that's the that's the where I find that me and Michael and Justin and 
Winston have a lot more in common than we think we do. Or even, like, Winston has a lot in common with Chris from the Meat Puppets, even though he doesn't think he does, because they're both, like, history buffs and shit like that. Um, we kind of... We, we have more in common, and we understand that if, if we suck, this is really not worth it, you know? It's just too much trouble. So the, the level of the band's ability to play the music has gone up over the last 30 years, and it's, it's exactly what it, it needs to be to fucking get everybody off the fucking couch and get out there and play, because if we sucked, it would be terrible. So you see these differences and Michael growing up and realizing his musical potential in a way that other people went, holy shit, he's got perfect pitch, holy shit, you know, he can, he can do all this stuff, he's a, he's a, you know, I sort of had to fight my way into all of it, I mean, I was a shitty trumpet player and I wanted to be in a band and we had to start from the very, very bottom of the, so you know. I got I got all those stupid stories. Yeah. Doing it the hard way or whatever, but our, I'm sure we both hurt in the same places. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a bit of bonding over that. <laughs> um. So let, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up. I know you guys are busy. You guys got lunch. Sorry to interrupt your lunch. And all Sorry. Right. Yeah, you know. Um. So you guys have a new record coming out. It's coming out soon. It's called Change of Fortune. Yep. You guys did it through Pledge Music. Now I know I talked to Steve Diggle. Uh, he's the guitar player for the Buzzcocks recently, oh, yeah. and uh, Steve had some really nice things to say about the Pledge Music process. He really it puts you in touch. You get to meet people. You get to do things you might not ordinarily do otherwise. Um, what was the experience like for you guys going this different, this I guess newer route? You know, they're making movies the same way, so why not? Yeah, I mean, it's an experiment I think the thing that drew it drew us to it the most was uh, we're not very adept with the internet and stuff so they sounded to me on the phone like really bright kids you know and uh, we kind of we needed to get more internet friendly if you will and uh, that seemed like one way to do it as far as the records concerned the that doesn't really have anything to do with pledge. However, we still owe people money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that helped us make the record. So we're trying to raise that money to pay these people. Where, where'd you record at? Uh, kind of all over New Orleans, LA, Minneapolis, back around. It's kind of, yeah, we just kind of those three places yeah. I guess yeah. and, and it costs money to get this thing out there so it's kind of like pledging music and stuff like that is like a pre-sale as far as I see it it's a pre-sale and you get some added bonus perks for being the first yeah, one to jump I mean, on it for years now I've been doing interviews and people are like what's up with the music industry and I've been saying a uh, new model has yet to reveal itself I'm, I'm not saying this might be the direction that it's going I can't really tell you how much different it is than putting out a record on Kickstarter. What were we talking about the other day? We got a. Oh, yeah, we're going to go on Shark Tank. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of things to a lot of people, and it is 
definitely a young morphing company that will find out what works and what doesn't work and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with pledge music I don't know you know if it's going to change a whole lot with soul asylum music but uh, we're doing our best we're we're making stuff and signing things and it's an excuse for me to sell my artwork to people and <laughs> you can sort of do the meet people in different cities and things like that and it's supposed to bring the, the band and the people that like the band closer together on a personal level which it kind of kind of does you know so the other day I ran into some mom and she went oh I bought my daughter a copy of SOS for her birthday and I didn't know what the hell she was talking about but I made a painting and they made a print of it and they asked me for a title and I just said SOS on top of my head so, you know. yeah. cool. well uh, I'll let you guys get out of here with this one last question and um, so you kind of mentioned it before there's a 16 year old kid going like hey look I can play this fucking instrument what do I do? What, you got a nephew or you got a stepdaughter or somebody, your stepdaughter's classmate that wants to make music for a living, wants to get up off the couch but doesn't know how. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell them? Probably to study the piano and study theory and study music in a classical context but sort of avoid the, the, the snootiness of it. In other words... I think that people that read so much they forget to listen to what they're playing so somewhere in there it'd probably be best to know how to read music and understand theory but also to be able to play without music and I find that with classical musicians if you don't put a lot of them if you don't put a piece of music in front of them they, they're paralyzed they don't even know what to do you know so make some noise yeah i'd say yeah the best thing to do is, is make a lot of noise i mean I, I agree with front on one hand but i also think that ingenuity like finding your own way is really important because there's no just one way to succeed in music i mean it's just if you can make a living in music at all that's success <laughs> you know if you don't have to go to some grind you you've made it already and sometimes when you meet Prince on a dive bar, you talk to him, right? Well, that's right. You never know, you know. But I'm saying, it's just, I was almost as content where I was at, yeah. to be honest, because my whole heart and my whole life was already involved. And he saw that and figured out how to exploit it in, in the right way. I learned, I learned a lot, you know. And the main thing I learned from him was put your hands down. Get it, explore, you know. But you got to have that ambition. you got to have that drive. You have to be looking for something yeah, right. that's what I'm saying it's like it takes everything you got you know and if you don't want to give everything stay out <laughs> you know that's for sure yeah well gentlemen that's a great place to end off at um, any final words anything before I uh, let you guys go along your day well thank you for yeah. coming down man we appreciate anybody who's interested in what's going on it's with pleasure. the band you know, and, and and I think these creative struggles and things we talk about apply to everything, whether it be your office job that I look down upon, absolutely, you know, or uh, anything. Yeah, like writing a novel. So, so every garbage man ain't uh, is not a malcontent, right? Yeah, cool. <laughs> you can find beautiful treasures in the garbage. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, uh, <laughs> any idea when the record comes out? 
the new one? Before the end of the year. Before the end of the year. All right. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Well, I will let you guys go. All right. Thank you. See you all next time. All right. See you. <laughs> buddies thank you to dave and michael for hanging out and chatting with me thanks to the sean tiffany for hanging out and chatting with me as well and uh thanks to you guys for listening uh, i think it went uh pretty well i don't know how about yourselves i'm sure you'll let me know all right buddies uh that's it for this week uh make sure you check out our sponsors ratio beer works at ratiobeerworks.com and at 2920 larimer street in denver colorado great dudes great beers doing great doing the lord's work i don't believe in the lord but there was one they'd they'd be making beer right doing great work (laughs) anyway buddies um please visit us at mostarmaspodcast.com like us on facebook subscribe on itunes uh subscribe on uh stitcher tune in and all the above we're on all the major uh podcasting places uh please write me any love notes or hate mail i do read them all and i do cry myself to sleep at uh, the mean things people say to me not really i actually really enjoy getting constructive criticism anyway that's enough for this week's episode of most of harmless podcast let's go ahead and end this with my favorite soul asylum song it is of course off the let your dim light shine album it is of course misery And uh, don't we all love company? See you in the funny pages, folks. Y'all take care now.